Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles podcast, a show dedicated to the crazy world of mixed martial arts. Join your hosts, Laurel, Ty, and Jordan, as they break down all the latest and biggest news and bouts. This is the one podcast that will never let the fight go to the judges. Live from your favorite podcast listening device, it's time! Hey, FKTC crew, we are back with another episode of the Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles podcast. This episode is brought to you by early pay-per-view cards, because sometimes it's things, because with things going on in our daily lives, we might miss some fights. But being able to have the rest of the night to do our own thing helps too. Um, I understand with the card being in London, they wanted to accommodate all those that were going to the event in London and especially our European friends across the pond. It's like, yay, we don't have to stay up. We don't have to get up like at the, like right when the sun rises or at midnight or something like that just to watch this card. And it accommodates them. I mean, I guess it kind of worked for everyone, but I understand that some of us couldn't really watch the pay-per-view because we had other things going on. But let me ask it, but let me start off by saying that unfortunately Laurel will not be here this evening. We will miss you very much. We will see you in two weeks. But I think this was like back in episode three or episode four. It is myself and Jordan Lopez. And so, Jordan, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic. It was a great weekend of fights, even though I did not catch most of them. But I did see highlights and clips. And then uh, I do have a lot of things to say from the aftermath of what happened at UFC 286. And uh, no, but I've been doing good. Nice. Very nice. Um, And so, yeah. I was doing some demolition um, for a house that was bought by my sister. And so I spent the most, the only prelim fight I actually ended up seeing at least half of it was the Juliana Miller versus Veronica Hardy fight. And I was like, oh, I should not have watched this one because it was just domination from start to finish. And then I didn't watch until the main card just because helping with the house and then i had to drive back home and look when you're demolishing when you're helping demo a house it can be some very tiring work might take the the energy out of you even for the next day yes <laughs> yeah i was like exhausted like all right i just need to relax for a bit. and i think just the fact that this the main card being as early as it was just threw me off so much i was like oh wait i gotta do this oh i gotta do that like oh wait but the fight's starting soon like oh it's because the pay-per-view like head was spinning in multiple different directions during that time so even i'm thrown off so my notes may not be as great but i did manage to watch most of the main card although i've got some things to say about some of these fights so wasn't a bad card though i would probably give it a just a solid b I would tend to agree with you there. Yeah. Um, apparently, there were a lot of split decisions. Um, 
either a lot of split decisions, majority decisions, and then some finishes. Like there are rarely any unanimous decisions. And from what I understand, I think there was one draw too, but there wasn't a whole lot. Um, like there was some action, but from what I heard, not a whole lot of the fights were boring. Yeah, they had some good action. Yeah. The theater, as people yes. would say. Oh, yeah. Good theater. So, as our little recap, we are going to cover UFC, UFC 286. We just gave you the grade. Um, and then we'll do our UFC San Antonio, not Jacksonville. Because if you've heard, Jordan and I had some conversations like, wait, Jacksonville. I'm like, oh, God. It's San Antonio, not Jacksonville. My head is all over the place. Um, then we have a Q&A question. Then Anderson Silva is going into the Hall of Fame. And then our MMA topic is, does Colby Cuckington, oh, I'm sorry, Colby Covington deserve a title shot at welterweights? And so with all that said, I'm ready to start. If you're ready to start, Jordan. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> you didn't, I didn't hear anything initially. So just uh, want to make sure. <laughs> um, so our first fight, oh, before I do, um, I can't remember who, who was the, the fighter you're watching was, oh, I can't remember his name. It wasn't Jack Shore. It was someone else. For me, it was a uh, Roma Delice. Oh, Delice. Yeah. So we'll, we'll start that off. Um, uh, Laurel and I had Christian Leroy Duncan, who ended up winning via TKO, um, apparently due to an injury. Uh, they were up against the fence, and some for some somehow, some way, Dusko Todorovic's knee, like, either they locked up. Yeah, just blew out out of nowhere. I did see that. That, that was a very gruesome injury. Yeah. So, bummer that Leroy Duncan's debut ended in a very very scary injury and so hopefully dusko recovers very well and we'll see what happens with christian leroy duncan in the meantime but starting off because you had roman delice um unfortunately he lost to marvin vittori now according to some some folks of mma twitter they were saying it's a robbery the way I saw is like you could have you could have put it either way. I had it 29-28 for Delice, but you could get, definitely give it to Vittori. But what's gonna be a recurring theme, at least with me, was that was always that one judge that gave an unnecessary 30-27 when it wasn't needed. Yeah, it always seems like it has to be one of those judges just to mess up everything, right? Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, as as I said, I didn't watch the whole fight, I watched clips of it. And at least from the clips I saw, it looked like Delice, you know, was competing with Vittori very well. Um, mm -hmm. And some of the people that I did talk to at Verdict, uh, they did say that, you know, Vittori did have a good uh, good showing for himself, uh, maybe better than expected, because uh, many people thought that even Delice, that was a, who was an underdog in this fight, was still mm -hmm. the better fighter. Um, yep. I'm looking right now, even on the, the Verdict... Uh, scorecards the global scorecards mm -hmm. uh, the only the final score difference was 0 0.07 so and wow. that's one of the closest fights ever scored on verdict oh, so yeah. that, that just tells you how competitive this fight was 
I think I remember seeing something like that. I'm going to look real quick. Oof, yeah. Uh, according to my global scorecard, it was very close. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is very close. So, I mean, it's... I. Some there were some that were saying it was robbery. I don't know if I would consider it robbery given how close the fight was. Um, but kind of a bummer for Delice because I felt like he had done enough to win. Um, but I guess Vittori did just enough to get the victory himself. Yeah, no, and again, I mean, it, it looked like this Delice started the fight good off the mm-hmm. you know, he obviously won round one. And mm-hmm. then the questionable round was uh, round three. Boy mm-hmm. won round two. But uh, yeah, again, I mean, at least it was a good showing for Delice for the most part, you know, getting that experience from a top five fighter like that and Vittori. So, yep. uh, I mean, Delice is not going anywhere. So oh, no. he'll be right back in the mix soon. Oh, yeah. I would totally agree with that. I wouldn't mind them having him face another top 10 fighter later on down the road. I think he, I, I think he proved it with Vittori. I think he, there are a couple times that he had Vittori to the point where he could have, like, if it wasn't for Vittori's chin, I think any other fighter would have like been at least knocked down from his shots. Yeah, Vittori does have a very good chin. Yeah, and so Vittori defeating Roman Delice via unanimous decision. Our next fight is between Jennifer Maya and Casey O'Neill. This one. Was was a little bit more decisive than the Vittori Delice fight. Um, every time Jennifer Maya constantly denied Casey O'Neill um, when it came to clinches and takedowns, and she managed to strike her up pretty well. Despite, I think Jennifer Maya was a slight underdog. Well, not a slight underdog. No, she was a slight underdog in the fight, but I can't remember the reach. But I think Casey O'Neill had a stronger reach, but. Jennifer Maya just kept getting up close and like, I mean, for Casey O'Neill, this was a really huge step up in competition for her. Um, And plus coming off of the, what was it? Like 10, 11 month layoff due to the ACL injury. She tried, but man, like Jennifer Maya just proved why she was a title challenger. Yeah, no, this was very, very surprising, at least to me. I thought Mm. Casey O'Neill was going to, I don't want to say run through Jennifer Maya, but I thought she was going to decisively like win this fight. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, they, it was such a high-paced fight. I'm watch, I'm looking at the significant strikes per round. Mm-hmm. I mean, the least amount of significant strikes thrown in all three rounds was 43. Yeah, that's a lot. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, I was very surprised. I do see that one of the judges also had it 30-27, while the other two judges had it 29-28. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, someone needs to get these, this judging fixed. But, yeah, very surprised that uh, Casey O'Neill got her first loss in a professional career. Yeah. Um, there was some aftermath from that fight. And it was, I, guess, I don't know if it was just construed incorrectly um, for either one of the parties. But Maya had, um, whatchamacallit, uh, accused Casey O'Neill of greasing up or pulling a George St. Pierre during the fight because it was hard for her to like grapple. And like Casey O'Neill, like when she saw the article drop from I think it was MMA Fighting or MMA Junkie, she was quick to respond to it and like, no, I wasn't doing anything. And 
when she found out that Maya had said that, she actually directly messaged Maya saying something like that. But Maya's like, nope, the it was construed like I think you're a great fighter and all that. It seems like so it seems like things have gone haven't gone too sour between the two, but I don't think <laughs> I don't know. Like it's tough to tell. Yeah, I did see that report from uh MMA fighting. It was interesting that she said that because mm-hmm. uh, if it is true, I mean, that, that can play a major advantage in the fight. Oh, yeah. So hopefully it wasn't true, but if it was, it's a big, big thing that needs to be fixed. Oh, yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. And I don't think this is the end for Casey O'Neill either. Like, I know I said last week yeah. on the podcast, was like, oh, if she wins, then you could see a lot of competition at Flyaway. But I don't think... Casey O'Neill is going anywhere and I think it and it's going to be really tough to get a fight for Jennifer Maya because of all the fighters that she has either fought in or pretty much her position right now I mean if I were to give Maya someone right now I would say Lauren Murphy right now that'd be a good old school fight oh yeah I would have I would have said Jugagin, but they've already fought in twice with Jugagin winning both times. So I don't think they're going to do that one. Um, yeah. There's really no one else unless, yeah, I would, I would honestly go uh, Jennifer Maya versus Caitlin uh, versus um, Lauren Murphy. I think that would be a really good fight for both of them. Matchmaker tie. <laughs> I try. I try. Um. Our next fight was the only finish on the main card. Uh, Gunnar Nelson defeating Brian Barberina via a armbar submission with just nine seconds to go in the first round. Wait, um, you're going to have to tell me more on this fight because I did not see a single second in this fight um, yeah. besides the finishing highlight that the UFC posted. Yeah, of course. It, looked like it was a very nice armbar. It actually was a really nice arm bar from what I can remember. Let me just, I'm going to pull up the strikes real quick between the two of them. Because it didn't seem there was a whole lot going on between them, but then, it, oh yeah. So combined the total strikes for both fighters total was 38. The number of significant strikes between the two of them, 17. Wow. Um, but Gunnar Nelson had three minutes and 30, he was he pretty much spent... The entire first round, except for like a minute and a half in control the entire time, landed one takedown. And from what I can remember is that they were on the ground quite a bit and Gunnar Nelson was controlling most of the part. Brian Berberina did land maybe a good shot or two, but it was pretty much all Gunnar Nelson, especially when it that last minute. Um, they went to the ground and I think Gunnar like tried every which position trying to find some kind of submission and then he finally landed on the arm bar it took uh barbarina a little bit of time because he was trying his best to fight it but at the point like he he knew like if he if nelson held on any longer he was gonna break so he was he was trying for dear life to hold on until the end of the bell but just with nine seconds left he's like nope i've had enough and just tapped yeah, that was my biggest concern with Barbarina in this fight was mm-hmm. the takedowns from Nelson and the obviously the the submission threat that he poses. But um, yeah, I mean, from what I can grasp from the situation, it was a great win for Gunnar Nelson. Mm-hmm. 
especially that he had a you know a favorable crowd for him. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, from the details here. It's his armbar for a mount. So it looked like he mounted yep. him. Mm-hmm. Was the last thing Barbarino wanted to be in. Oh yeah. Especially with a dangerous guy like Gunnar Nelson. So, so yeah, I mean, I do see that he landed ninety percent of his significant strikes. Yeah. That's a, that's unbelievable, to be honest. Oh yeah. It was quite the interesting fight indeed. Um. I was just kind of really surprised that because I think I had picked Gunnar Nelson to win, but I didn't expect it to be something like this. So good for Gunnar Nelson. Um, I don't know how, I don't know where he's going to stand in all this. I know he's not ranked, so I assume we'll see him again at some point, especially since nothing was announced. I didn't hear anything about Brian Barbarina either. So I assume this is just back to the drawing board for uh barbarina and then for nelson just keep moving forward i think uh, you can give gunner nelson the loser of santi so santiago posanibio and the kevin holland fight that's supposed to happen in miami oh let's see there you go there's um matchmaker jordan in the works we're, we're matchmaking fights tonight unlike <laughs> Dana. yes actually we should do that because the co-main event like as far as like what what's next for these two the sky's the limit i feel like it and so we had justin gaethje defeating rafael Fazeev by not you name decision but majority decision this one was this one was this one was like a fighter's dream fight and it lived up to the bill I cannot wait to watch this fight in its uh, totality. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think the next thing to do, at least for these two fighters, from what I can speak of in the fight, you do Gaethje Poirier, too. That's the fight to make. Both of the guys want it. Poirier, actually, today um, talked to uh, Fan Sided and uh, talked about how the fight with Gaethje makes him nervous which gives mm-hmm. him a good feeling because he wants those type of fights. And then with Fazeev, I mean, I think you can give him some good, good fights, some exciting fights. Um, I can look into a... Uh, I know there's some been some questions with uh, Ismagulov and him wanting the Saryukin fight again before he uh, retires. Um, mm-hmm. But... I would give Fazeev Ismagulov. I think it's a perfect, fun matchup between the two. Mm. Um, if they if they don't want to do that, what's Dan Hooker up to nowadays? Yeah, it's true. What am I not? I feel like that one would be that would make a lot of sense. Um, so from my standpoint, because I was able to I was able to watch the Gaethje Fazeev fight up until like the last minute. And apparently that's where like all the action from Gate, well, not all the action, but where the most significant action from Gaethje came from. Um, and I'll explain why in a moment. So the first round Fazeev definitely won. It was, it, it looked a little even, but uh, Fazeev definitely landed the more significant, the more damaging strikes. Round two, for me, put it either way because that's, I think it was that round where both men just completely threw everything minus the kitchen sink at each other. And it seemed like none none of them wanted to go down. And I would say that 
Gaethje probably landed the more significant strikes and some of the more damaging strikes, but you could have made an argument either way. But third round was all Justin Gaethje. He dominated that third round from my understanding. Like it was going well. And then he just like completely started really bloodying up Fazeev from my understanding. Actually, and it was, I think it was like within that last minute, but I will say this, that I did not legally get this fight. Um, meaning I did not pay Dana White for this fight or for this card. Um, mostly because I had other stuff. Like, I'm not sure if I, because I wasn't sure if I was going to get back in time to watch the main cards. Like, what's the point of me paying for it if I'm not going to? I mean, obviously I'd probably watch it later, but like, I feel like it would just be, my plan was to rest Saturday night and I did not. And if I knew if I didn't watch it Saturday night, I wasn't going to watch it, period. So sorry, Dana, I didn't pay your precious $84 for a pay-per-view. Um, probably shouldn't say that out loud. Um, but apparently in that last minute was where it got really extreme. And when everything finally came back, I saw Fizzy's face I'm like, oh my gosh, like blood was like dripping all the way down his face. At, at the end of that third round, it's like, oh, and then I saw like that's when I went to Rick's scorecard. I'm like, yep, Gaethje definitely won th- round three. So it was a very entertaining fight, definitely deserving of by the night. Um, and when you when it does come available for free, without a doubt, watch that fight. Oh yeah, no, that's probably on the top of my list. Um, but yeah, the third round, according to verdict, was the most dominant round in any of the fights. Uh, scored out of the whole main card. Yep. So that's how dominant Justin Gaethje was. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, for that, from my standpoint, my viewpoint from this fight, I think what to do after is, I think is easy for Gaethje. You make that, you know, the title eliminator. Whoever wins gets the title shot. Whoever loses, goes back in line. Um, mm-hmm. I do think both of them have one more title run in them. Mm-hmm. More so Dustin, because I think he's just more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I know you, me saying oh, the winner of that should get the title shot when Benio Darius is standing right there. Mm-hmm. But if Darius loses to Oliveira, Darius is going to have to do a lot, a lot more work because if he didn't get the title shot already on his winning streak... He's not going to get it coming <laughs> off a uh, one win after he loses. So, yep. And so I'll we'll actually have a question later on about Justin Gaethje. And so we'll keep those thoughts in mind because I definitely want to do some matchmaking with this guy. Um, but now we get to our main event. Um, <laughs> this is the one where my way of watching the fight kind of started lagging a bit. So I had to find another resourceful way aka tiktok to watch the fight um but from my understanding between leon edwards and kamara Usman, like it was tough because i will tell you trying to watch a fight on tiktok is very very challenging yeah it seems pretty challenging especially when you're on a on one where like all the comments came in like you see comment comment and then just the way like you have to move the fo- like you have to move the phone watch it like this is annoying <laughs> like please please like just so 
my scoring on verdict was very terrible according to what the global one looked like because just because of i didn't have a very good vantage point of the fight but from my understanding was that at Usman tried the strategy of just continue well not continuously but took him down a lot but edwards did a really good job at neutralizing the takedowns um throwing some strikes of his own um there was a point deduction in the round in the third round because Leon Edwards That's deliberate deliberately grabbed the fence, trying to avoid being taken down, and end up costing him. Which a lot of people, when that fence grab happened, a lot of people are thinking like, if that that point deduction happens, and I think a lot of Twitter folk were saying that that fence grab could have cost Edwards the title, um, but. Yes. somehow he turned it up in the fourth and the fifth round, even though I think one judge did have the fourth round for Kamara Usman, but the fifth round was easily, and I know I probably misscored it, was easily for Leon Edwards. Um, this is one of those fights the Mexican have to go back and watch again because just the way it was scored, like, I, I guess it, it's from a bad vantage point, but I could see a way that Usman would have won that fight, especially with the point deduction. But I can kind of see also how Leon won the fight. This is why I need to go back and watch that fight without the distraction of TikTok comments. Yeah, so I obviously I was talking to you before, but uh, I was listening to uh, a little bit of Joe Rogan and Corey Masvidal on the JRE show, and they were talking about the uh, fight. And uh, Jorge mentioned uh, how Usman didn't look like he had that uh, that pace that he usually keeps up in his fight. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have like, that fire that he usually fights with, which was interesting to hear him say that because he's been in the octagon with him now for two fights. Um, so, I mean, it's, it was very interesting hearing that from him. And basically what from the clips and rounds that I really saw, uh, it looked like Leon was carving him up. At least on mm-hmm. the feet. You know, yeah. I know he landed a very nice uppercut that landed clean. Mm-hmm. And then a very, very beautiful body kick that hurt tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and from the standpoint of what happens next, I know we'll get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, with Kamaru, that, that, it is interesting what to do with him next. I think he needs to take some time off. Mm-hmm. The, Depending how a lot of things are going to result in what happens in UFC 287 in Miami mm-hmm. for Usman and for Leon. Oh, yeah. I would agree with that. Um, actually, it's funny that you mentioned about um, Usman taking rest because, according to what Francis and Nganu said, I think this is either today or yesterday, um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, um, that Usman did deal with some injuries. Now, I don't really like the whole using the injury card as a reason why you lost because you're you're going to get hurt and you're just going to... It's just one of those things where you're going to... Like, if you're injured and you're fighting anyways, like, that you must not be hurt enough to fight in a sense but i don't it could i could be wrong um but just it seemed like i don't think 
the injury excuse was used by Usman specifically, but Francis Ngannou might have mentioned that the injuries could have like slowed him down a little bit, which is something I think you mentioned a little bit that he that with what Jorge Masvidal said that he did his pace wasn't as intense as it was in the second fight. Yeah, we mentioned on the episode before that the thing that worried us about Kamaru was his injuries. Mm-hmm. His nagging knee injury that he's been dealing with for like two years now. Yeah, He is getting old. You know, he's had back problems and knee problems and tendon ligaments, all that. Yep. So that eventually was going to catch up to him. So he's not he's not young anymore. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I know we'll talk about it, you know, soon. But uh, UFC Miami has a lot of things that are going to solve for a lot of fighters. Oh, yeah. That question. And with that, <clears throat> that covers UFC 286. Um, and so I, we would update on the standings, but I don't have the standings on me. Um, I don't want to hear does, which, so we're just going to wait until Laurel comes back at 287. Um, don't she never... <laughs> um, oh, let's come up. I thought that was her. It's like, so could you send me your picks for UFC San Antonio? I haven't heard back from her. So as far as we know, we're the only ones making picks for this week's card. So you have... Count. What's that? She doesn't count for this weekend. <laughs> well, we'll see what she says when she returns in two weeks. Yeah. Um, but um, there's a question I want to propose to you before, since we're speaking about like what might happen with the welterweight division after UFC, two, what, what the results of 287. So this card coming up in San Antonio was originally supposed to be headlined by Irene Aldana versus Raquel Pennington too. Now, I know we talked about it earlier, but out of nowhere is where they put, they put Cheeto Vera versus Corey Sanhagen. And just I when doing my research this evening, I was like, oh, maybe they just stashed that fight, the Aldana versus Pennington 2 fight on the main card or on a prelim fight somewhere. It didn't appear, and it doesn't look like either fighter has a fight scheduled. And so my question to you is, which we talked about backstairs, backstairs, in the green room, I should say, is did they cancel this fight because they have something planned for Irene Aldana, or they have something planned with uh, Raquel Pennington, or is there more mystery that we need to figure out first? So I think first things first is the reason why Corey and Cheeto are headlining this specific fight night is because they got the March 25th date available to the public, which is it's in San Antonio. When originally Corey and Cheeto was supposed to fight in the apex and a lot of fans got mad because that fan, that fight does not deserve to be in the apex. Mm-hmm. So they found a fight night that was originally headlined by Aldana and Pennington. All right, maybe we can have Cheeto and Corey headline it in that thumb. Is it messed up to them? Yes, it is. But the better main event fight, unfortunately, for people that would love to have, you know, women's fights as main events on fight night, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the better main events, Corey and Cheeto. But now it questions everything on what's next 
for them. And maybe Irene Aldana gets awarded with a title shot. Uh, we were reading about if it's going to be in 135 or 145. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just think the whole mystery of it, a big part of it was they wanted Corey and Cheeto to fight in front of a crowd, which I, I'm happy they are. Mm-hmm. But I do hope Pennington and Aldana do get, you know, they don't get screwed out of the deal. Right. Agreed. Um, and that's actually a good point. I do remember that because they initially announced um, Cheeto and Sanhagen for Apex. And yeah, I, I actually do remember that Twitter wasn't a firestorm, like complaining, like, why are you putting this fight in the Apex when there could be, where they could be fighting in front of a live crowd? And definitely with Cheeto at three and Sanhagen, I think at five. So two guys in the top five of the Bantamweight division. Yeah. So many implications as far as the title is concerned. Like you don't put that fight in an ape on an apex card. I mean, this is a this can be a title fight. Oh yeah, That's good these guys are. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Especially with Sanhagen having not too long ago fought in for the interim title as well. Um, so be something to keep an eye on. Um, from what I'm hearing, as far as Aldana and Pennington are concerned, is like what you mentioned. Uh, there was a little rumor going around uh, that Nunez and Aldana were supposed to fight actually at 285, the same card as Jones versus Gone for the Bantamweight title. But Nunez, I think, com- uh, right away, like denied that being ever agreed upon, um, thinking that she, I don't know if she needed more time to recover or like, they announced it early and like, no, like nothing's been signed or anything like that. So I would say to be perfectly honest, I would keep an eye on international fight week. Cause I could see them putting that. If that fight is true, that Aldana and Nunez are supposed to fight. I wouldn't be surprised if that fight ended up on um, international fight week. You can have that fight. That you can have three title fights for mm-hmm. uh, international fight week. You can have, and they especially want probably Aldana because she is a Mexican-born fighter. Yep. So that Mexico heritage can breed really well into international fight week. Mm-hmm. Have that. What that is one of the title fights. Obviously, the main event would be John Jones and Stipe. Yep. Co-main event. Um, it just slipped my mind right now. But it could be help me out here, Ty. What's the um I think from what I'm all from hearing is that they could try to do the Grosso Shevchenko rematch. That too. If, but, but the, the was, uh, uh Oh uh Brandon Moreno versus Yair. Oh Volk, yeah, Volk Yair. That's right. Yep, that was the other one they were talking about. They can have that as the Coleman event. So that would be three title fights, which would be pretty good. Yeah. So I would say the ones that make the most like you're definitely putting John and Stipe as the main event. Yeah. So you can and, have arguably the greatest women's fighter of all time. Mm-hmm. The greatest fighter of all time in John Jones. Mm-hmm. And then the greatest featherweight of all time in Volkanovski. Mm-hmm. With a Mexican born champion in Yair Rodriguez or interim champion. And mm-hmm. then Irene Aldana who's trying to become a Mexican champion. Yep. And it has all the storylines. 
Yeah, because I think right now they're, yeah, right now we have, wait, let me see, make sure. Yeah, right now we have Grosso as the champion. No, actually, no, we have, we have three champions right now from Mexico. Grosso and Moreno, who are both flyweight title holders. And then Yair is the interim featherweight. And then if Aldana, if they do make that fight with Aldana against Nunez and she wins, you're talking about four Mexican UFC champions or and, four UFC champions from the uh, from the country of Mexico. And on that card, I didn't even mention Stipe being one of the heavyweight goats. So you're talking about goat, yeah. goat, goat. <laughs> talking about yeah. all these goats on one card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's probably why uh, International Fight Week is probably be one of the more expensive cards to go to this year. Yep, and my friend's going. <laughs> Lucky him or her. <laughs> but now that we've got our matchmaking squared away, um, the first fight for UFC San Antonio is Chidi, and help me out with his last name, Nidjokuani. You nailed it. Oh, nice. Uh, versus Albert Durave. I think I'm saying that one right, too. Um, this one was, I mean, this one wasn't really that tough. Um, I'm just trying to think of how I went about this one. Um, Shidi Nujakawane. Did I say that right again? Yep. Dude, I'm getting it. So Nujakawane, I think his knockout power is just crazy good. And I just think Albert Durave is going to be the victim of that KO power. And so I'm just going to leave it short and sweet and say that Chidi Nujakawane wins via clean knockout. I won't say what round because I'm not 100% positive of the round, but it's definitely going to be a clean KO. No, yeah, you basically said it for me. I mean, I <laughs> Chidi, ever since I've watched them on the Dana White Contender Series, he was always like, I need to watch this guy fight every single time. Mm-hmm. So he is my fighter to watch in this card. And I do think he wins by knockout. Oh, yeah. So no controversy there. Controversy there. Um, this next fight's going to be interesting. So we have Alex Perez versus Manel Cape. Cape, right? Yep. Manel Cap. Cap. Manel Cap. Um, this is between two fighters in the top 10 of the flyweight division, which is, I mean, it seems to be slowing down a little bit, especially now that Moreno won the fourth fight against, uh, Davison Figueredo. I was trying to say Figgy Figueredo for some odd reason. Um, it should be interesting. Perez is a former UFC title challenger, um, got taken care of very easily by Davison and then Manel. Cape uh was he's starting to come on his own. Um honestly, really he's coming out of nowhere in my in my eyes. Um I just feel like this one's gonna be a little bit of a slug, not not so much a slug fest, and I wouldn't say drawn out either. Um, it could be interesting. Um, but given Alex Perez's recent recent luck in the UFC lately, I'm going to go with Cape in this fight, and I'm going to say decision. Well, for me, uh, I'll be going the uh, other way. I'll be going with Alex Perez. Um, so basically, the reason why I'm coming up with this is that Alex Perez doesn't like to be in the Afghan that much. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get paid by the minute, so he uh, 
he's in and out, which I like. I don't like it going to the judges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we kind of both like that. So, but yeah. just with Perez, I think he has the experience. He's been in there with tough guys. Whenever uh, Manuel Cap has fought, you know, really good fighters like Pantoja and Matos Nicolau, he's mm-hmm. lost. So that can play a factor that whenever he fights up to his competition, he really hasn't been up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has beat uh, Trovac and uh, Zumagol, uh, Zumagolov. Can't pronou- mm-hmm. I can't pronounce that name. That's the only name I can't pronounce. <laughs> but it's the guy, it's the uh, Kazakhstan fighter that looks like a Hasbula. Um, <laughs> um, but the, and the win that he does have versus Odie Osborne was really good. Um, mm-hmm. But it just seems like whenever he takes that next step up, he just doesn't come up you know, with his best performance. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of banking on that. I'll take Alex Perez by decision. Nice. Actually, so no, saying... not by decision, by, by finish. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. You were talking all about finishing. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no, decision? no. I finish. <laughs> all right. Um, I am going to be completely honest about this next fight. I really hope in, in my perfect world, both of these women would lose. And that is Andrea Lee versus Macy Barber. Jeez, I mean, just absolute brutal hardship from you. Um, well, he, a backstory. Um, Andrea Lee, and and most of it isn't really her fault either. It's mostly because of the. I don't know if they're dating anymore, but it's um. The Adrian is knocked out. Yeah, the guy that Adrian Yan is knocked out, which was yeah, Tony Kelly. His views on certain individuals in the worlds, I just wasn't a fan of. And I didn't really like the fact that how Andrea Lee, like before she dated him, was defending her. I don't know if it was her ex-husband or her husband about his um anti like his nazi tattoo or something like that uh how he she like defended him on that and then i mean she did go through some very horrible things involving him which i'm glad she got out of that situation but and just haven't really been a huge andrew lee fan lately and then of course the cockiness and the willingness to not accept defeat from macy barber just has rubbed me the wrong way and it, she just doesn't seem. Actually, I could think it was Grosso that beat and uh, Macy Barber, and I was like, I, "That's actually what started to ter- slowly turn me into a Grosso fan." Was when she completely dominated uh, Macy Barber. Um, but I, to be honest, I just don't like either one of them. Um, I wrote down, "Could both women lose?" Like, if it if it's a draw, I'll be like, "Yes, that's awesome." But I know it's probably not gonna be a draw, so. When it's two fighters that I don't really like, I just pick the lesser of the two evils. And so I'm going to pick Macy Barber to win this fight. Well, I do have Macy Barber to win this fight too. Uh, it's it's going to go to a decision. They, mm-hmm. they both go to decision. They haven't been finishing as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do like Macy Barber's corner, uh, which consists of Uriah Faber and his crew. Mm-hmm. Yep. But she does have some good background knowledge of getting feedback from her team. So I mm-hmm. think that plays a major factor. 
because uh, if it was me, I'd rather be listening to Uriah Faber than Tony Kelly. <laughs> That's true. Which I don't know if Tony Kelly is going to be in KGBV's corner, but I mean, oh, I'll, I'll just I want I'm going to wait for it. If he's in her, if he's in Andrea Lee's corner, I'm like I'm just going to listen. If he says any kind of racist stuff, I'm going to like completely s- <laughs> go go on my Twitter like s- completely slant. Well, actually, I don't think he can do that because Macy Barber is American. So, um, but yeah, but he'll he'll find a way. he'll he'll always find a way and then when he gets his next fight he can get his mouth smacked again by someone else so but yeah i'd rather i'd rather have you know uriah faber in my corner and listen to him so i I would take macy barber by uh the full 15 minutes yeah definitely um next fight is nate landwehr versus austin lingo uh now lingo was put on this card because his opponent, um, Ricardo Ramos, I believe his name was, uh, was the one a couple weeks ago that woo missed weight by a big sh- by a big shot, and it like I think it was two eighty five they were supposed to fight, and they ultimately scrapped the card, and so they gave Lingo a new opponent. Um, so Lingo is actually the underdog in this fight, which is. Um, I don't know a whole lot about Nate Landwehr, but then again, I don't know a lot less Austin Lingo either. So I'm going to, although with that being said, I will say that this is probably going to be my mild upset of the fight card. And I'll say Austin Lingo wins this fight, but I think it's going to go decision. Well, uh, I, I am actually kind of surprised that he's that big of an underdog, betting underdog. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of do get it because Nate Anwar is a dog. Mm-hmm. He's got that dog in him, as people. <laughs> yep. Um. So I do think he gets he he you know he gets into that grueling type of fight with him. Probably makes it uncomfortable for him at times, and I think that uh experience because you know he has had a lot of fights, and compared to Lingo in the UFC, so I do think uh you know that brings the best out of him and the worst out of Lingo. Mm-hmm. Um. So I do think uh. Nate Landwehr will get it done. Nice. All right. So now we have our coming event, and the woman that just signed a new six-fight deal with the UFC, um, Holly, the preacher's daughter, home, going up against Yana, not Kunitskaya, but now Yana Santos, who she is making her first appearance in, I think, almost two years. She had recently, I can't remember who did she, was it Aldana? I think she had lost to Aldana. Um, and then shortly after that, she announced that she was, um, having Tiago Santos, uh, a little, oh, I had it there, a little Mariana in her belly. I, I uh, saw, I read about that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And so they're both married, uh, well, both Santos and Tiago are now married. Uh, Yana and Tiago are married now, um. So this this one was tricky for me to pick in a sense, um, but I can't because if you look at it, both these women have been out of the octagon for a while now. Um, Holly Holm obviously signing that new deal. I think it was today, Wednesday, she had signed it. Um, it's a six fight deal, and that pretty much ensures that she's going to finish her MMA career with the UFC. At least that's what I think is going to happen. Um, 
be interesting to see how Santos does um, in her first action back, especially now as a mother and as a married woman, even though that doesn't really matter either way. Um, I'm going to go with a bold take, though, here, just because of the experience between the two of them, especially with them both either challenging for a title or holding a title in a promotion at some point. Um, I think Santos is subjective, or not subjective. She is, uh, what's a, she has a bill, not an ability. I'm trying to think of the right word here. Somehow, some way, she gets hit in a way that just flattens her. And I think, I don't know if it's just because of the defense or of anything like that. Um, so I'm going to go Holly home winning and we know Holly has, hasn't really finished her opponents lately, but I think she breaks that decision streak. And I think she gets a TKO in the third round and I'll call my shot and say that she wins via a body, uh, a kick to the body that somehow hits Santos's liver and she just falls and is finished with some ground and pound. I mean, if that happens, you have to give me a tell me a lot of numbers. <laughs> Jeez. Um, no, but I kind of agree with you there. I do have two fun facts about this fight. Mm-hmm. Each of Holly Holmes' last four UFC fights as a betting favorite has gone the distance. Okay. And then the the betting favorite has won seven of the last eight UFC fights again uh, with Holly Holm involved in the fight. Ooh, okay. So Holly Holm is the betting favorite. So mm-hmm. I'll be taking both fun facts and combining them. Give me Holly Holm and give me by decision. Nice. I'll take that. All right. Now we've reached our main event, which, gosh, I went back and forth on this fight for like the past two days. So we have Marlon Cheeto Vera versus Corey Sanhagen. We have Cheeto Vera, who is very good at his striking especially with what we saw in his last fight against Dominic Cruz, just completely head kicking him into orbit, breaking his nose, falling flat on the canvas. And it was just nuts. Corey Sanhagen, he's been a little inconsistent, but you have to to, uh, consider the fact that his last two losses have come against TJ Dillashaw, who... A lot of people argued uh, Sanhagen should have won that fight. And which he did. Yeah, which he did. I would agree with that, that Sanhagen should have won that fight, but judges apparently didn't think so. And then he he was actually the only fighter that Peter Yawn has beaten in this slump that he is dealing in right, with right now. Um, and I can't remember how, how that fight went because that was like so long ago. Um. Yeah, this one's really tough because you have Cheeto with the striking, and I did research that Cheeto has actually never been finished in his in his MMA career. All of his losses have been by decision, and Corey Sanhagen is very well known for taking opponents to deep waters and finishing them. Um, Being mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, especially when it comes to his last couple finishes where he what where he why need the daylights out of Frankie Edgar um 
that's just like one of the ones that like right away come to mind. Um, This this is pretty much a coin flip for me. And after going back and forth, I think for up until like, I think the 15 minutes before we started, I ultimately landed on Corey Sanhagen just because of his ability to finish. And so I'm going to, I think it's going to be a decision. I wouldn't be surprised if Sanhagen finishes it or if Cheeto finds a way to grind out a decision. But for right now, I'm going to stick Sanhagen by decision. So there, there's two fighters that I try to emulate when I, when I'm on the bag every day, mm-hmm. on the heavy bag every day here at my mm-hmm. house. It's striking like Masvidal and striking like Corey Sanhagen. Because mm. Corey Sanhagen is just an absolute killer technician. Oh, yeah. And the reason why I think this fight is perfect for him is because Cheeto Vera starts off very slow. He's a patient killer. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't try to rush. He, let, he lets the fight come, come to him. And at times that can play in a bad part for you. Because mm-hmm. people don't remember, he was losing that fight against Dominic until he knocked him out. Mm. I, at least in what? my opinion, he was, he was losing that fight to Dominic until he get, knocked him out. Um, that Rob Font fight was actually very uh, good on his part because Rob Font was a very push-forward heavy guy. And mm-hmm. He dealt with it great. Um, with the Frankie Edgar fight, it took it to the third round, I believe. Uh, to head kick him and knock him out. It only took Sanhagen 50 seconds to knock him out. So the the difference is there, because they do have three common opponents, mm-hmm. John Lineker, Sonya Dong, and Frank Edgar. Corey Sanhagen has been all three. Cheeto Vera has only been Frankie Edgar. Mm-hmm. So Corey does have the experience. Corey is... Uh, just as much as a kid as Cheeto is, but Corey hunts you down once the once round one starts, and that's right. what that that that's gonna be the the biggest component in this fight is Corey's just gonna be nonstop in Cheeto's face, and Cheeto can't be patient in this fight. He just can't. So, mm-hmm. with that with all that being said, I do have Corey winning. Um. Don't know if he's going to finish because Cheeto Vera is such a durable guy. Yep. But just like how my favorite fighter, Hori, was, he's never been knocked out since that Usman fight. And he got <laughs> knocked out cold. So yep. it would not surprise me if Corey does the same to, to Cheeto Vera. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So with that said, that covers UFC San Antonio, not Jacksonville, because I like to make mistakes every now and then. I would have been there if it was Jacksonville. <laughs> I know you would have. Any uh, Florida, I'm there. Oh, yeah. even if it was in Tallahassee? Yeah. Even if it was, well, Orlando's not too far from you. No, yeah, no, Orlando, I'll be there right now. <laughs> All right, we'll keep that in mind next time there is a UFC event in Florida. Um, so we do have, we did open up the forum last, over the week, over this past week, a couple days. We, we only got one question again, and it's more reliable APB again. And so you get the ultimate fan award APB if you're listening to this. 
but we did talk a little about this earlier um, when we were covering UFC 286. Uh, her, so her question is, after Justin Gaethje's incredible performance on Saturday, who do you think he should fight next, and how many fights does he need to win before he gets a title shot? So let's think. So we did discuss earlier that it could potentially um, – it was actually not announced that they were talking with Dustin Poirier and that that could be the next fight. Another fight I could honestly see happening is maybe you can put Gaethje and Benil Dariush. Well, no, Dariush has a fight against Oliveira. That's right. So, yeah, I think really the only fight that makes sense is Dustin Poirier, this uh, rematch. Yeah, so like how I was saying uh, earlier, um, I do think that's the fight to make. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that fight would uh, be awesome. I mean, I know you would want to watch it, right? I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dustin Poirier is my guy. So, yeah, Dustin Poirier versus Gaethje is absolutely the fight to make. I think both fighters want it, especially mm-hmm. Dustin. Um, I mean, it would be awesome if that could headline a, a UFC fight night, especially if they bring it to here to Florida again so I can go watch it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's absolutely the fight to make. Oh yeah, but man, if they brought poor, you know, if they bring Poirier versus Gaethje to to the Philadelphia, you know, I'm so there. I don't care what it'll, what it'll take. I am there. Well, I can tell you, UFC Fight Night uh, tickets are a lot cheaper than uh, pay per view tickets. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, that fight between Gaethje and Poirier too, you could easily make that like a co main event for a pay per view card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll either be a main of it definitely will be a main event of if they put it as a fight night card, but it would ooh, or they could make it depending on how the titles are arranged. They could make that fight into a non-title pay-per-view, but it would just depend on where the titles are at that point. But easily could be a co-main for pay-per-view or a main card for fight night without question. I agree. Now, if they made it a co-main for a pay-per-view, would you be okay with having Gaethje and Poirier going five, making it a five-round co-main, even though it's not for a title? I know Dana said that he doesn't like to do that, that he's only done it for either a Diaz brother or uh, he's done it for a Diaz brother or and someone else that I cannot remember. But so, yeah. If they were to make it like a five-round fight, I wouldn't mind it. I, r- I would rather it be a three-round fight because I think it would push them harder to go, you know, three rounds knowing that they don't have the extra two. So mm-hmm. I think it would make a more exciting fight. I agree. Um, and so her second part of the question was, how many fights do you think Gaethje would need to win before he gets a title shot? I think if he gets matched up a Dustin next and he beats Dustin I think that that can get him to a title shot I like it um as much as it would pay me to say if Gaethje were to beat Poirier I mean I don't mind either I this is one where I don't mind either guys I wish neither one would lose but it's a fight that has to happen in order to keep the it's a fight that will probably have to happen in order for the lightweight division to keep moving and so with that said yeah if Gaethje if if they match up Gaethje with Poirier and Gaethje pulls out the victory then I would automatically give Gaethje the next title shot, even though 
So I'm trying to think who. So another thing that I'm concerned about is like Islam Makachev is talking about like wanting to fight for the welterweight title now. Like, dude, can this guy just fight in his own division? Yeah, we, we don't have to worry about him. When, when he talks, he it's Ali talking from. We, we don't have to really worry um, about what he's really saying. That's true. That is very true. Yeah. Um, before we get to our MMA topic, we do have a little bit of news, and that is that Anderson Silva was announced that he is going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's uh, very, very nice that he finally got inducted to his <laughs> to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it took them. It did take them a while. I wonder. Yeah, because I felt like he would have probably gone in like the as soon as he like his contract was up and he retired from the UFC that they would have put him in like within a year or two, but it took him like what, three, four years before they finally put him in. Yeah. But I do think it had something to do, you know, with how he left, even though it wasn't on him, it was on the UFC mostly and how that relationship happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just think you know, it was a little hard with the feelings involved after he left and stuff. That's why he didn't get inducted right away. But, I mean, mm. we all knew he was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Apparently, he was supposed to attend uh, the 286 event to get recognized, but he had, like, other... He had something else going on, if I remember correctly. And just yeah, he had attend. other obligations uh, to do. But it would be nice to see him at International Fight Week mm-hmm. doing this thing, so... Oh, yeah. Well, without question... So with that said, we know Laurel will be happy about that. I think she was actually excited when I texted her and said, like, hey, Anderson Silva's going to the Hall of Fame. And she, like, was overwhelmed with joy. So so be interesting. it'll be cool to see him being inducted. Be cool to watch International Fight Week. Um, but let's get to our MMA topic of the week. And it's basically due to the aftermath of the main event of UFC 286. Dana White has mentioned that Colby Cuckington is what he'll be fully named as is going to get the next title shot from what I hear is that he was actually he weighed in as a backup to Edwards versus Usman three in the case anything happened to either one of those guys um which caught me off guard like why is this guy this guy finally decides to come out of the shadows of (laughs) and I feel weird saying this he said it's come out of the shadow that is uh, Daddy Jorge Masvidal in deciding that, oh, I'm going to now make a public appearance now that this, that, and all that's been... Like, he, like I love the fact that your guy, Jorge Masvidal, shut Colby Covington up despite losing for months on end, up really up until now. And now he's coming in like, oh, I deserve the title shot. Um, to be honest... Covington is no, sorry, not Covington. Cuckington is two and two in his last four fights. Um, his only two wins have been against an aging Tyron Woodley, in which his ribs broke, and I think it was actually Woodley's one of his last fights in the UFC. And I know you don't like hearing this, but he did beat Jorge Masvidal. Although I did watch a highlight, I think it was either last night or this morning. Um, that Masvidal had a real, and I don't know how I missed it, but Masvidal was probably two inches towards his jaw away from winning that fight because he had yeah, landed. I mean, he he did 
stun him in the second round and then he knocked him down in the fourth round. Yeah. I'm thinking so, about the knockdown the fourth round. Yeah, is everyone just keeps on repeating all the 50-45 because he lost all five rounds even though he took no damage. Mm-hmm. It was just he just got taken down, even though he defended more takedowns than what he actually got taken down, but no one wants to talk about that. Nope. Um but yeah, it, he lost basically a competition in that fight because he yeah. took no damage. There was more damage on Kobe than it was to him. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like if it was just a little, like if he had just gotten a little bit more of that jaw, he probably would have been able to finish Colby Covington in that fourth round without yeah. question. Um, Colby hasn't been active. His last fight was back in March and... While he apparently is a name according to Dana White that could really sell fight, like he that's it, that's his only gimmick is that he tries to sell fights, but he does it in the most really repulsive and disgusting ways, in my opinion. Um, like we saw this week, like he threat he's threatening Leon Edwards that if he doesn't fight him, that Daddy Dana is gonna strip him of the title, and then to threaten John Anik by doing exactly what Jorge Masol did in the streets, well, not killing him. In, but I've never seen so many fans of the MMA world completely trash Covington after his threats on John Anik. And so I guess the topic is, does Colby Cockington really deserve this title shot? Because I really... Honestly, the next person that should fight for the title is Bilal Muhammad, without question. They only he only wants Kobe because he's a name and can sell fights. Granted, they're a terrible way to sell a fight. He's pretty much a wannabe Conor McGregor in a sense. Um, can he even really sell fights? I mean, we can even have that topic because uh, you know he can talk. But I don't think it translates to buys. Mm. Oh, yeah. I have to see. Um, actually, let me take a well, I'll look at it after this. Um, I don't think he deserves it. I think Bilal Muhammad deserves it out of everyone. And like, and we'll, and I'll turn it to you because you've mentioned what happens at 287 Miami could determine what happens regarding this title shot. Yeah, whether people like it or not, if Masvidal wins, he's getting the title shot. It, the UFC would be doing a big disservice to their own company if they don't take advantage of that storyline. When Corey mm-hmm. will be coming off a top five win in the division, mm-hmm. winning in his hometown in front of all those fans, mm-hmm. and then having that post-fight octagon interview with Joe Rogan, talking probably talking about the fight and who do you want next, and they say Leon or whatever. They'll be doing a whole disservice. That storyline is there. You would have to do it. Leon has the belt mm-hmm. you, in England. Perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. Mm. But is it too much to ask that Colby beats a single person in the current UFC top 10 rankings before we hand him a title shot? I don't think it's too much. I mean, think about it. He hasn't beaten anybody coming off a win. You want to guess till when? Five years. Yeah. Says RDA. Yeah, RDA was the last person he beat coming off a win. 
that's yeah, it's five years that he hasn't beaten someone coming off a win. Mm-hmm. Not alone top ten win. Because unfortunately when he did beat Jorge, he was not top ten. Which I understand. Yeah. Listen, when you lose against the champ twice and then you lose to the number one contender, I don't know how you drop eleven spots, but mm-hmm. that's a whole nother conversation. But it's yeah. like I get if you lost to the eighth and the fifth guy, yeah, you drop out of the top 10, but he lost the champ who was the pound for pound number one guy at the mm-hmm. time twice and the number one contender and you drop him 10 spots, but whatever. What <laughs> I am going to say is that that Kobe beat someone in the top 10, which he should be actually fighting someone in the top five, if yeah. we're being honest. But oh, let him yeah. just let him win a top 10 fight mm-hmm. before we hand him another title shot. He hasn't been active. He hasn't tweeted anything since he got his tooth broken uh, in Miami. Uh, and that, that's just the facts. And I'm like, not even trying to be a dick about the situation. He get his tooth broke, broke by, by Jorge. He has, he's been absent since. And then all of a sudden, he becomes relevant again. Starts saying all this stuff. Threatening Anik on the streets, even though last time something happened on the streets, he filed a lots, lawsuit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand how, and it, it's ironic because the champ of the division just dealt with not being handed a title shot after having like an eight fight win streak. Mm-hmm. And Colby wants a title shot when he hasn't beaten a current top 10 guy. Right. Hasn't beaten anybody coming off a win. Mm-hmm. And Leon knows he's not going to give, he said he's not going to give the title shot to Colby. Yep. He wants the and think about it. Think about how mind blowing this is. If Jorge wins in Miami, he would have more top, not only top ten but top five wins than Colby in the last five years. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and what what happens if he if if he gets the finish? Oh, if Jorge if Jorge finishes Gilbert Burns, especially if it's like in spectacular fashion or if it's early, there would be no denying Jorge Mas. And especially you add the fact that he finished Gilbert Burns, top five fighter, and if he does it in spectacular fashion, like with a crazy like with a big knockout, or I don't know, if, I don't know how well. Uh, Masvidal is with submissions. I think he has submitted a couple fighters, if I remember correctly. And then the crowd, and then you, you've had the storyline that's been sitting for the last near, almost four years to the date, almost. Yep. Yeah, it'll be four years tomorrow, uh, or it'll be four years today when you're listening to this when it's out. Um, when Masvidal and Edwards had that post-fight exchange behind the scenes after. Um, Masvidal was talking to Larsenko, and that's where the whole three-piece Minnesota came from. Like, you've got that storyline. Like, I'm surprised that in the last four years, they haven't tried to make Masvidal versus Edwards, especially because both fighters, I'm surprised they didn't try to make it in 2019 because of the streak that, because you had Masvidal knocking out Darren Till, de- demolishing Ben Askren's undefeated record in five seconds. And then he had a really good fight with Nate Diaz, who Diaz was coming on until he got cut and they deemed him unable to continue. 
like those three fights alone, especially after he was coming off of a year layoff, um, a year or two layoff, having those three wins consecutively, I don't know why they didn't, and especially with the path that Leon Edwards is on, why didn't these two fight sooner? But if Jorge wins at 287, especially in spectacular fashion, you cannot deny that storyline between Edwards and Masvidal. And and does Bilal deserve it? Yeah, he does. He's on this incredible fight winning streak. Mm-hmm. I mean, some could say that. I mean, I don't know what rank Sean Brady was, even though the rankings don't even matter to the UFC at this point. Yeah. But Sean Brady, I think, was like seven or eight when he fought him. Mm-hmm. He won. Gilbert is literally, I think, four or five. Five. Um. So, but yeah, I understand. And listen, if they do schedule Bilal versus Shafkat Rachmanov, which mm-hmm. is poor guy that Bilal is going to have to go through that. Yep. That it opens up the door for Jorge, and he would absolutely get it if he wins. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest, no, all the trolls would want, you know, Colby to get it because of his antics and all. He beat Jorge and stuff, but the the facts are he would have more top. He would not only have more, one more top ten win, but one more top five win than Colby. Mm-hmm. And he would just have to be he he would just be Gilbert Burns. You would you would you would have to give it to him. Oh, and oh, by the way, Hori is 38, so he has one more title run in him. And again, I was listening to him with uh, on Joe Rogan. He seems fired up about the fight. And mm-hmm. I really hope at least not only in my my sake and my <laughs> mental health that he wins, but it would be in the UFC's best interest that he wins. Mm-hmm. And you also have to talk about Colby. The matter of the fact is, like his, like, especially like the, like he's making the, well, one, we'll say he's making these threats on John Anik on the streets where guys chipped his tooth chipped by Jorge Masvidal and he got a boomerang thrown at him by Fabricio Verdum after trying to, after especially his whole Brazil is a dump kind of thing and landed square and Colby threatened to, I don't know if he like threatened to sue Fabricio Verdum for throwing he a did. boomerang. He did. Oh, he did. He did too. Okay. So he, he talks the talk, but when it comes to, when it comes to the situations he had to deal with, with Fabricio and with Jorge, he cowers and is just a, he's virtually a coward. He cries to the he cries to the higher power. He cries to hit. Well, I'm going to keep politics out of this, to be honest with you. Um, he cries to the highest, highest order, we'll say, when things don't go his way. And we've talked about so many, uh, and you've mentioned like he hasn't beaten anyone in the top 10, even the top five in a while. We've had how many fighters call out Colby Covington and he's just completely refusing to fight them. He's he refused to fight I'm pretty sure he refused to fight Gilbert Burns. Yep. He refused to he's refusing to fight Shankov Shankov uh Rachmanov. Um Michael Kiesa who isn't even in the top 10 called out Colby Covington's like oh like Colby like that maybe you'll be he didn't even acknowledge Michael Kiesa's call out. The only fight that he wants to fight is for the title but sometimes colby 
it doesn't work that way. You can't just talk, weasel, and cry your way to the top just because of your antics. So no matter who Colby Covington fights, I really seriously hope someone puts him to the point where he is, his mouth is completely shut for a while. I really loved when Usman knocked his, broke his jaw completely. He's like, oh, he didn't break my jaw. And then saying like, oh, Mark Goddard was an early stoppage. Like, no, it wasn't. You were getting stopped. So just, you were getting beat the whatever up. So just, I'm just really awaiting the day that Colby Cuckington is no longer relevant in any form of mixed martial arts. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be. And I know Dana said, "Oh, he deserves it, and he's next." I wouldn't buy into that because that was just in the moment. Mm-hmm. He, he's he has said that he doesn't make fights on the yep. night of the fights. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't buy too much into that. He knows the real deal is on UFC two eighty seven. Oh yeah. Ah oh, man, I would just love to see. If there's one thing I would love to see um, before all is said and done is I would love to see a Stockton slap from Nate Diaz on Colby Covington and see what he says about that. Put him in the power slap. (laughs) Right? I mean, I don't like like that organization part of it, but I mean, if we get to see... See, I just don't like it, but I would... (laughs) To see him get slapped and knocked out would be the most hilarious thing ever. Well, I mean, if he does get slapped, he will be suing also Nate Diaz. So, And then Diaz will be like, stopping a baby. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't buy too much stock into Colby being the next one in the line. So, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> Colby would want to fight someone... Top five, at least. Like, why can't he, like, let's say Masvidal wins, he gets the title shot. Balov is fighting Shafkar Rachmanov already, according to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Why, doesn't Gilbert Bur- why doesn't he fight Gilbert Burns? Even though he's coming off a loss and he still wouldn't be fighting someone that's coming off a win. Right. Still Burns. Oh, yeah. There's an exception to that. Mm-hmm. So he can fight Gilbert Burns. Why, why can't he just do that? Right. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, even if like the Edwards versus Masvidal is definitely the biggest storyline you can make. But you could also look at Edwards and Muhammad because those two have fought before and it went to a no contest. Why not try to get that fight and try to tie up some loose ends? Yeah, and obviously blood is probably the real number one contender on all this. Mm-hmm. But if they are really trying to make that Shafkot fight, that takes them out, out of the running at this point because mm-hmm. he would need to win that fight. Mm-hmm. And he is most likely not going to win that fight. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, if that fight does happen, that it's going to take him out of the number one contender spot, and that leaves a massive, massive opening for Jorge and Gilbert Burns because if Gilbert wins, that would also be an interesting storyline. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, gosh, I'm so tired. I'm tired of 
I'm, I'm so tired of the chaos that is Cuckington. So, so that I thought it was probably the more passionate I've been on this podcast involving a topic in. I don't even know how long. I think it's the first time. So, you get to see this. I think it. If we were talk, see, I'm losing my train of thought. I think it's because it's really the first time like I've talked in extent about Colby Covington. Sorry, Colby Cuckington. Um, yeah, this 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 podcast is definitely getting explicit rating for the amount of times I've said that word. Um, and it's actually probably the most I've said ever. But I think he has now climbed up past Conor McGregor on my UFC fighters hit list. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Connor sometimes backs backs it up. You know, he has a history of backing it up. You know, he, you know, he, he basically made the UFC. Like Connor has a history of of being good and doing good stuff for the company. Kobe, mm-hmm. Kobe was about to get cut. Oh yeah, that's the only reason he's got this antic going on is because he knew he was going to get cut, so he had to throw something along. He had to throw something there, so. Like yeah, you're so. not an interesting fighter. All you do is just wrestle people to the ground. Like when was the last time Colby Cuckington? I tell you, this is going to get an explicit rating. When was the last time he had a finish? It's a very good uh, question. So look that up. I'm looking it up right now. Actually, I don't even. And see, I can't even type in my name from because Did it's he not going to finish RDA. No, it, it, that went to decision. His last okay, so here we go. His last finish. Oh, well, that's oh it was 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 Woodley, but that I wouldn't count that. Was that injury. Yeah. So his last legitimate finish was against Max Griffin at UFC 202 back in 2016. Jesus. Yeah, so. Oh, wait, hold on. Okay, so was it that whole? Oh my gosh, I swear if that. So his fight against Damian Maya were, I think that was the fight that he was supposed to get cut. Like, if yeah. he lost. so he went from being cut to fighting for an interim title in just one fight. Yeah, sounds about right. Oh my God. See, mm, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Wait, I quit. Colby Cuckington does not deserve any positive that comes his way, only getting his jaw broken or getting knocked out viciously or even getting choked out. That's all he deserves. Or, yeah, just I'm at the point where once he disappears into irrelevance, I'll be probably the most happiest person, the most happiest MMA fan ever. Hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> but I think I, I think we've talked enough about him. So I think I'm going to end this pod. I think we should end the show for today. It was a, a good episode. It was a good episode. And I think Laurel will get a kick out of listening. Oh, now wait. No, I'm going to tell her, like, you need to listen to this one, especially at the end, because there's some passionate talk about this topic. So. Yep. You definitely want to listen to that part. 
But with that being said, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, any guest requests, because the next card we next podcast we're on, we will be covering a pay-per-view. So bring in your guest request. But you can reach our podcast our podcast page at FKTZ Pod, or you can reach us individually. You can reach Laurel at Rain Basin. You can reach Jordan at J22 Lopez with two Z's. It looked like you almost forgot it there for a second. Yeah, I almost <laughs> did. And then you can reach me, Ty, at TyFlyGuy15. But in the meantime, protect your faces from Laurel's kicks. Protect your necks from my throat cuddles. Watch out for Jordan's flying knees. And I want to throw this to you, Jordan. What is our number one golden rule? Don't let the fight go to the judges' scorecards. That that's a good Jordan. That's a good Jordan one for yeah, 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 like, oh, that's a good Jordan way to put that. But I think I think we've been covering fights since like God, February. And I think so, because I know next week. There's no pay-per-view. There's no pay-per-view. There's no fight. There's no UFC next week. But there is um, there is a Bellator card next weekend that I do plan to watch because my girl Kat Stingano is on that card. Um, so even though there'll be no UFC next week, watch some Bellator and watch whatever else you can. Um, maybe I'll figure out something. But I think... We've covered fights, and especially with um, saying as how you came on during UFC 284, we've covered three pay-per-views and so many fight nights since you've come on. I think I think we all three of us deserve a break for a week. If you're I, down for that. I'm down for that. I'm down for that. I mean, especially knowing that the next event is a big yeah, we got- we got to get you hyped up for 287. Yeah, man. If my guy loses, I don't know. It's okay. It'll be okay. But I mean, maybe being in front of the Miami crowd will help. Especially since, especially since you'll be there. I mean, the last time I saw him fight in person, I, I got knocked out as well. Oh, oh, that's oh, oh my gosh, that's right. You did see that one. Oh boy, oh boy. Well, I can't take out of that is that he did win the first round. Now he needs to continue to do that instead of the other part. Right. Instead <laughs> of do everything up until that point. Yeah. But yes, we will. So with that said, we will see. We will take a week off. Um, but enjoy Bellator 293, which I'm surprised now that their numbered events have surpassed the UFCs. But given I think Bellator's all their events are numbered cards. So we will see enjoy some Bellator 293. And we will see you all in two weeks for UFC 287, which is between geez, to remember Alex Perea versus Israel Asanya, and then the co-main event. Uh, Jordan's guy, Jorge Masvidal against Gilbert Burns. So with that said, enjoy the fights and we will see you all in two weeks. Peace.